Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Heavenly Father, this evening, in this place and in this moment, God, we ask that we can see what you are doing in each and every one of our circumstances. Lord, that we can identify the new wine that is being pressed out of us, God. Lord, that that new fire, God, maybe there's been something that's grown cold. Lord, we want to be, don't want to be cold pressed. We want to be on fire for you, God. We want that pressing, that new wine that comes out of us, God, as we see and understand and see how you are coming to us, God, in the midst of our challenges and circumstances and shortcomings and everything else that goes on. We thank you, God, as we gather in this place like multiplied millions around the globe this weekend, standing in your presence and worshipping you, getting a sense of destiny, getting a sense of what you are pouring into our hearts afresh, God. We thank you, Lord, tonight. Lord, that even in this part of Canberra, God, we are here, Lord, by your invitation to honour you, to worship you, to make a difference, God. We thank you, Father, for this time together. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Wonderful. Thank you, worship team. Thank you very much. So, winter, fresh. It's good when I like seeing the snow on the mountains. Do you? It's kind of like we can actually see the snow from our lounge room window on some of the mountains, which is cool. But. Very good. Well, what I wanted to do tonight, uh, I've got a bit of an announcement to make on behalf of the church, and then I'm going to open up uh, for a QA and a around what I'm going to share, and then even beyond that, uh, a broader Q&A. So if you have a question you would like to ask, maybe it's a theological question, or maybe it's a, a relationship question, maybe it's a question around... What would what's God's take on this, or what do you think about that? Then uh, tonight is the night to uh, ask those questions. And uh, if you don't have any questions, one of two things could happen: either I could preach a message that I've got here to bring, or I will ask you questions. <laughs> so, so uh, depending on which way you want to go with this, and how we feel God's taking us with this, so I have. My trusty stool here. Thanks, Pete, for putting that there. <laughs> trusty stool. I've never sat on this one before, but anyway. Um, so what we've uh, decided to do, uh, uh, the leadership team in the church, is to, for, uh, for a season coming up, uh, starting in September, we're going to cease our evening services. So this gathering will no longer be happening from uh, the beginning of September. So it means we've got uh, two more to go next week and the week after. And uh, there's a, the reason we're doing this is because um, a number of dynamics have been happening in the life of our church of late and one of, uh, of recent times. And uh, a couple of those things are that uh, we planted a church in Queanbeyan, uh, which is going really, really well, but we're still resourcing that church from the resources of here uh, in terms of musicians and pulpit and uh, the back-end resources that we provide. Uh, and so, you know, that's probably been a bigger drain than, than I'd realised it was going to be on our church. But, uh, but it's a good thing. That's a, a great thing because uh, our 
teams have been stepping up and engaging in that really, really well. And the other thing is that we also started the C3 Care Service, a midweek service, uh, about three years ago, and that's going really, really well as well. That's a fortnightly Wednesday lunch service, so we're serving the community, providing food and a message of hope and all that kind of thing. So amongst other things, those things have um, uh, just kind of... Um, uh, put extra weight on us as a church and so we're just sort of thinking that maybe we just need a sabbatical from our evening services for the next little while until we feel that God wants to uh, rekindle it again and uh, and so if if the evening service is your only service a heartfelt apologies for that um, it's uh, it's just one of those things we have to weigh up you know, uh, how we use the talents that God's entrusted to us as steward stewarding the resources in this house. So we just feel at this time that that is uh, one of the decisions that we need to make. So uh, there's still plenty of opportunities to engage and serve through the life of the church through the week. But we're just, uh, it, it's, I think it was Ben was saying that um, it's just uh, sometimes you've just got to not not play, not sow the field for a, a year just to have a have a rest and then we'll see what God's doing. One of the key things that uh, for me has come out of the evening services has been the development of our pulpit team and just uh, giving more and more people opportunity to uh, be, be developed and coached and trained in uh, the skills and the art of ministry from the platform. And so I think that, uh, you know, as I watch and listen to our guys, uh, there's such a strong um, sense in our team that uh, it's kind of like, well, that's actually worked really well for us. Uh, so anyway, that's, um, that's the, the thinking behind that. So again, if this is your only service that you're able to make it to, we're really sorry about that. Uh, but... Um, See, come and see us and we'll see if there's something else that we can slot, slot you into um, during the week. So any questions around that that anybody would like to ask? We have a roving mic. Oh, Pastor Steve. <laughs> um, for this is not a planted question. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ben, ask this question. So I have no idea what Ben's going to ask. Um, for those here that this is their only service, yes. uh, what would be your encouragement to them for this next season? Well, my encouragement would probably be, uh, if you can, there's the uh, midweek service, which is fortnightly, but come and serve in that, uh, that would be, and, and come along and gather in that. Or, if you can, rearrange your schedule to come to the, uh, uh, the morning service, the 10 o'clock service here. And thirdly, at least get into a, a small group in the life of a church. So if you want to be part of a small group, see Ben or Emily. They're kind of leading out the point people for our small group. So that would be an encouragement in one of those three areas. Yeah, There's usually something going on here every day of the week. If you come along... There's, there's on a Wednesday night, you could come and sit while worship rehearsal is going on and just experience worship in then. Uh, there's, if you don't feel like doing that and are a bit more aggressive, we've got judo happening behind those screens for anybody who's interested. Um, you know, there's play group. There's all sorts of things going on in the life of the church here. Uh, so, um, yeah, plenty of opportunities to connect. Any other questions from anybody? Jenna. <laughs> it's all right. 
Um, well, we've just launched um, for the first time one of the one-off worship nights and the testimony nights. Yeah. I guess moving forward, yeah. is there the, still the opportunity to have one, yeah. maybe two one-off worship nights, testimony Absolutely. nights? Yeah, I think the, the thing is that our, our evening services have actually been going really, really well in the last few months, which is a great place to sort of say, okay, well, let's just have a, have a rest. So I think that those opportunities are definitely there. Once a month, we will still be doing our, our discipleship collaborative meeting on a 4.30 here. And so that is, it's kind of like a leaders meeting, but it's, it's an open leaders meeting. And the idea of that is that we are collaborative in the way that we engage with our, our community. So, uh, so that is still available. And that's the third Sunday of the month, and that's still going to be happening, and we will do some of those other ones as well. So, yeah, good question. Thanks for reminding me. <clears throat> Any other questions around the Sunday night thing? Cool. Well, I mean, hey, let us know. Oh, yes, M. Um, is there a period of time that you've set when you're going to reevaluate? whether we will start the evening services or not, or are you just going to wait and see what happens, or is there a time frame around that? We haven't set a specific time frame. It's probably going to be more uh, a response to if we sense that there's uh, raising of teams and there's uh, more teams that can carry it. So a lot of what happens is that with our, our kids and our music uh, ministry that the the teams do morning and night and so it can be quite uh, quite a weight and so we're trying to just uh, make sure that everybody has uh, an equal experience in in church life well, I think one of the challenges that we're dealing with is that for now nowadays people are classified as regular church attenders if they come once a month and so that means that people if they come in once a month they're less likely to be wanting to serve they just want to come and sit and so we're grappling with that dilemma that's a, almost a societal dilemma and it's also a consumer kind of thinking so i think that you know if a whole bunch of people came up and said we'd love to do a night service it's like great here we go we're off and running again so it's really going to be uh, a, a sense of wait and see, but I think it's something that we'll be continually evaluating. For me personally, I, I, I really appreciate you know, the different dynamic of a more intimate gathering, acoustic feel worship and, and that kind of thing, but uh, a, a lot of people who are here tonight have already been serving in the morning and so it can, get, uh, you know, it can become quite a wait and it's a classic example or of uh, a lot uh, many uh, a few doing carrying most of the weight and so you know that's um, what we're trying to wrestle with but I think we'll keep open-minded about it and obviously if we do get a sense in God because this came out of a sense of God that maybe we just need to just take the foot off the pedal a little bit uh, and just um, allow our breathing space so if we get that sense in God that we need to to go again we will so yeah and as I say, once a month we'll be doing the uh, DC meeting anyway, continuing with that. So, But that's a good question. I like that question. I like that kind of sense of, yep, when, when are we going to fire up again? So thank you. Cool. Any other questions? All right. Well, let me just throw it open to you. Any question about anything that you would like to ask a pastor 
yeah. in particular at this point in time, me. Um, you know, maybe you've got a friend who's got a question that they've been wanting to ask for a long time. Um, I thought to myself, I wonder if Andrew will be the first one to ask a question. I can always ask a question. There's nothing like having a PhD scholar asking a yeah, question first cab off the rank. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, I just want to say that's a cool decision. I'm very happy with that. It's really cool to um, just concentrate on one thing, do it really well. That's a great idea. Yep. Um, so I've been thinking about it for a while, like... Um, about how it's difficult to enter the kingdom of God when you're rich. And no one thinks they're rich. Everyone thinks, oh, if I get more money, I'm rich. Yeah. And I've been thinking about it, and pretty much I think anyone in the Western world would be classified as rich because even if you're like on the dole or whatever, because everything, uh, if anything happens to you, you look to government, money, whatever, you look to something to help you rather than God. Um, so having said that, then when I think about church, um, I think one of the big problems we have in the Western world is um, lukewarm. We're very lukewarm. So we just mm. go to church if we feel like it. And, you know, like as you were saying, we only just just sit there and listen. We don't even participate a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, what do you think? To, so do you think that that is a personal challenge? We just work on ourselves? Or is this something the church can do to help with that? Or what's, what do you think would be uh, the best thing to do for that? Mm. In today's world, yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I think that's a very uh, timely question. I th I think that uh, the the sense of complacency that has set in um, is something that we need to kind of resist or be on guard against, and so we need to stir it up in each other. If and we go cold when we separate, when we isolate, and so. Uh, we don't keep each other connected on, on on fire, and so I think that, you know, I when I was at Queanbeyan last weekend, I I shared a stat that 24% uh, of people in Queanbeyan live on their own, and there's this isolation factor, and I and I actually think Canberra is pretty. Um, is pretty, uh, I mean, that stat would bear out in Canberra, but I also think that it's almost like Canberra, we, we sort of resist just organic and relational connection to a certain extent. But, you know, I, I, for me, I, scriptures like uh, the, the zeal of God consumes me and that kind of, I think that it's that complacency is something that, you know, I'm often praying against that, that, we, that we'd see a heart. But maybe... And maybe that complacency comes from a fact that we, we're in a society that actually doesn't call sin, sin. And so if we don't call sin, sin, then what have we got to worry about? Like there's no, there's no, uh, and you, if, if we're just, if, if our morality is relative and, you know, we're not challenging uh, from a godly perspective, and there's ways that we can do that well, but if we're not challenging from a godly perspective, we're just taking for granted that, uh, you know, okay, well, I've got my life insurance, I believe in God, I'm going to heaven. But, you know, what about all the people in our world? What about the, the community around us? We are actually, you know, in a, a, a portion of society in Australia that is probably less 
God aware than anywhere else in, in the country. And so there's, the need is greater. And so for us, our part of our vision as a church is to change Canberra. How do we do that? One conversation at a time. One water cooler conversation at a time. One connect group meeting at a time. One prayerful you know, commitment to your workmates at a time. And so I think the complacency thing is, uh, is, a, is a big one. Um, I'm not sure if I fully answered your question, but you know that um, I think if we lose sight of our first love and just you know what it was that got us on fire in the first place, it, yeah, it's when you've been around for a while, it's easy to kind of take things for granted. So, and that's why you know, you know, we come in here, we can sit down, everything's laid on. It's pretty easy to be consumers, and we're in a uh, you know, a bureaucratic public service kind of society here in Canberra and we've got entitlements and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, pretty easy to drift in, allow that kind of thinking um, to come into our church experience. And yet if we're following Christ, he says, well, you don't even go back and bury your father. Come and follow me. You pay the price. And, you know, sometimes I think we... we kind of think that that's figurative but I think it's way more than that so cool what other questions have we got Amy um, I think it complements Andrew's question it's just something I've been reflecting on a little bit lately around yeah, kind of the comforts of the Western world. Um, and I guess my own experience in growing up in church is like, I kind of thought we were like all in this to the end. And then sometimes you're like, oh, they're not here anymore. That kind of sucks. Mm. And there's people where I've maintained relationships. So you can yeah. kind of ask the why questions. And sometimes I've found when people hit seasons in their life where there's like quite like quite a bit of suffering they find mm. it really hard to marry that with their faith yeah um and i sometimes i wonder i guess that like the gift of being in a pentecostal church is like the spirit being and being spirit filled is like there's so much fruit to that mm. and it's so beautiful mm. But there are times where, like, a lot of my physical senses are probably not going to marry up with always what God is saying mm -hmm. in a way of, like, I yeah. am feeling stressed. Yeah. I am feeling grief. I am yeah. feeling anxiety. And, mm -hmm. um, yes, I guess I'd love to know your thoughts on, like, even Ben Aiken's communion message this morning around... Mm -hmm. Jesus, yes, was like to suffering. Yep. Mm. Like, are we not? Mm. Are we not helping? Uh, I don't know. Is there a way where, with in discipling younger people, we're mm. not unpacking that well? Maybe. I, of I absolutely agree with that. I think that if we portray a uh, an idealistic utopia that uh, you know, we, that faith will get us into that place when the idealism actually doesn't come to pass. It's like, well, where does that leave our faith? 
And yet none of that is what Christ actually preached. He preached suffering. He said it's impossible that suffering won't come. It's impossible that offence won't come. Maybe our discipleship pathways need to teach people how to deal with offence because they're going to come. Every single one of us has the opportunity to take offence. You don't... If, it's like I can't give you an offence, you take an offence. And so I think if we have an idealistic communication around, and I guess, you know, from, let me uh, kind of be a little bit more specific around this, for instance, like the thing that grieves my heart is when I see young adults leaving church or, or compromising a value system that they've grown up with because uh, for the sake of expediency or, what it, or whatever... And it's, it's like, you know, at what point are we going to pay a price? Uh, but if we're, if we're sold this utopian um, de- deception, in a sense, it's a strong word, but, it, but it's like, it, yeah, nowhere does Jesus say it's going to be easy. God's never saying it's going to be easy. And so we've got to learn how to, to rise above the suffering. We actually need to see where God is in the suffering. We need, to, we need to identify God in the confusing in-between because, you know, there's a, I don't know about you, I find myself living in the in-between a lot between maybe what I feel God's promised but what's actually happening in my world or what I'm praying for and what's happening. There's this confusing in-between and so it's like I want to see God, I want to understand how God's coming to me in the midst of all of that. And so, you know, that is challenging. Um, but, that, but that's the wrestle of it, I think. You know, for Abraham, he was in the confusing in-between of walking up the mountain about to sacrifice his son that God had given him as a miracle, thinking, okay, God, how's this? Like, you know, there are, we, we've actually got a... God is always there and he's working his best for us. And to be able to understand what that might look like, um, we're understanding and seeing how God's coming at us. He's, he's working to bring stuff out in our world that in, otherwise wouldn't come if, we, if he wasn't permitting the things to come to us that are coming to us. So, so, you know, I'm not saying the things that happen are always good. They're usually not. But he allows us because to, to cope with them because he sees something bigger in us. So, um, you know, it begs the question, okay, if people have drifted away, were they, were they connected in the first place? Or, or was what they connected to actually a, the, the, a real God thing? Or, you know, and it goes back to the whole Calvinism debate and all of that sort of stuff, which we won't go into now. But, but it's like that, um, that sense of, yeah. And, and, and I, th- I think what people are really looking for you know, and, and Pentecostal churches have been good because we have that, we actually invite that sensory experience, and I think that's really important. Um, but uh, the, I think that, you know, if it's just about that and not about how you grind it out in the, in the, in the mud and in the dirt and in the, the confusing in betweens, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I kind of think. I feel like I've lived most of my life in the confusing in-between. It's like, God, are you there? Somewhere you're there. I think you're in this. Like, how does this work? And it's like, I get, you can actually learn to live in that a little bit. <laughs> so, did that answer your question? Yeah, I think I agree with, like, literally everything you just said. I, I think I've probably found um, 
it's the change in experience. So, yeah, mm. I think people are like, oh, it's not feeling the same mm. for me anymore. And mm. there was so much weight on the sensory yeah. experiential encounter with God, which yeah. fully has its place, mm. I think. But, mm. um, yeah, but like you said, there's so much other mm. in-between moments yeah. that I don't think people know what, what to do with those yeah. always. Well, yeah. I think those in-between moments are the God moments because it's like that's when we need faith. We don't need faith when things are going well or we know the answer. We don't need faith then. It's like, God, are you there? That's a faith kind of prayer, I reckon. Um, so, yeah. Other questions? A lawyer question. <laughs> PhDs and lawyers. Oh. Sometimes understanding is good and uh, it helps you to articulate, but uh, I've found over the years I need to understand it well, I need to know that there is something bigger than my head in mm. terms of understanding. Mm. But how important is it to you, a mm. sense of mystery or mm. when you don't understand everything? Mm. I, th I think that um, one of the things we're contending with is that uh, I think when it's helpful to recognise what society is bringing to us. Society is saying, you are enough in yourself. It's all about self. And yet I heard, I think it was... Um, Eugene Peterson, he defined self as our soul without God. And God so intrinsically wants to be involved in our world that um, if we lose sight of that, we're selling ourselves short. But, um, yeah. Questions? Louis. I've been trying to think about how to articulate the question, so... Just to make it easy for you, Steve. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I guess it's a... The question is, as Christians, we live in an increasingly hostile world towards Christianity, towards our practices. Yeah. Um, I guess my, my question to you is, how do you see the average Christian? What, would, what advice would you give them to navigate this world without compromising mm. and without adopting the world's standards as opposed to what we know are the Bible, God's standards. Mm. You follow the question? I think yeah. so, yeah. So, so just your comments on that, thank you. Okay, so I think it comes back to worldview. What is our worldview? Is our worldview informed by society and the media? Or is our, what is our worldview informed by? So as Christians, let me ask you that question. What, what informs your worldview as a Christian? God's Word, yeah. Anything else? Yes, Alinta. Uh, just something on that. I remember a while ago um, at Presence Conference, I went to a masterclass um, called What Would God Know? Um, and they sort of were tackling all like the really, you know, nasty questions. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I sort of took away from that and which sort of informs my life view, and I can't remember exactly what they said, but basically that the world is not our reality. God is is our reality. Mm. So, um, yeah, I try to keep that in my mind when I'm yeah. 
yeah, walking along, that yeah. actually God is my reality mm. and that our time on earth, um, yeah, it can be deceptive and um, challenging, but actually God is my reality. So in mm. those situations, I try to, yeah, think about that and... Yep it's not always easy and Mm. like you said you spend a lot of time sort of questioning oh well what does God actually Mm. say about this and you know Mm. what does that look like from a kingdom perspective but yeah yeah, we're actually not of this earth we're from a heavenly kingdom so yeah yeah. that's good yeah I think to you know scripture is obviously the baseline to inform our worldview, but I think that Scripture has been devalued to a pace of, say, a, a moral position or whatever, and, and people are not good at engaging with Scripture. So I think we can help each other engage well with Scripture. I think that's why we need the body. It helps us. And then to understand, okay, there's got to be an answer in here for this situation because basically the dilemmas of life that we're facing now are not... You know, they've been around for thousands of years, so we're not that different, really, when it comes down to it. So uh, we've got to understand what what is an appropriate response. You know, and we don't need to be reactionary or judgmental, but we need to stand our ground and be secure in what we believe, and know that our belief system has been shaped by millennia of um, you know informed people and and thoughts and thinking that have shaped it, and so. I, th- I think to answer your question, it, it, it's like getting a good handle on a biblical worldview and how it applies in context that we find ourselves. So if we, think, if we think that something comes up in life and all of a sudden, oh God, you didn't see that one coming, you hadn't thought of that one, had you God? It's like, well, no, that's never going to be the case. And so uh, I, I think ed- you know, that education process from a worldview perspective and I think that whilst there's a lot of information that we can actually access out there, but to engage with a Q&A sort of uh, approach, well, what about the nuances of my situation and how that applies? And being able to talk those things through and, and you know, uh, get, wrestle those things through and just wrestle that learning what it is to hear the voice of God, discerning God's voice in a situation, those kind of things are really... Uh, uh, I think important and skills that we're not so good at these days. Um, so, does that answer your question, Louis? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Jenna? Me again. Um, you again? <laughs> me again. Hi, team. Um, so, my question, I guess, is a bit of like what everyone's kind of already touched on, but I guess if our theme is and has been God is not to be kept a secret, mm-hmm. in terms of discipleship, because we yep. as a church value disciples who make disciples, mm-hmm. how do we disciple others along di- like alongside when they have dis- difficult circumstances like lukewarmness, hardness of heart, but even sim- like some people that may have like like very different beliefs to you that may even be spiritually unsafe if not looked after. Mm. How do you disciple those people in an emotionally safe mm. way? Because sometimes it's like mm. there's some people where you can have toxic people, but like I, I know like an example, like in my workplace there's a lady who used to go to church, she was baptised and she said, yep, I walked away and now I go to the Church of Satan and I'm like, oh, okay, but it's like how do I then... Because like we get along quite well, so it's mm. like for me, how would I then 
disciple mm. somebody like her in my life mm. um, that in a way that is emotionally and spiritually safe for me or, mm. or is it a case of learning when to call it and when to yeah. go and when to not? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, well, that's a pretty challenging question. I think that uh, the first point I would make is, okay, you're not, it's not a discipleship question, it's an evangelism question for her. So until, until somebody is in the place that says, I actually want to, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Unless people are in that place, the discipleship place, you can't lead them if they're not wanting to go kind of thing. I think the other thing is that in a situation like that, you need to cover yourself spiritually in prayer. Um, I'll just relay a story that I, uh, a friend told me just the other day. We had a mutual friend who was a pastor up on the Gold Coast. I had a lot to do with him in my early days in ministry and uh, looked up to him and done some great things. And then his, his wife passed away tragically from cancer and then he started dating a few people. Uh, and then he, um, he was uh, dating this woman and they decided to get married. And uh, because they made the decision to get married, they... They said, oh, well, it'll be okay to have sex before we get married. It's only going to be a week or two before we're married anyway, so we'll have sex. The moment that they had sex, she revealed to him that she was a witch and her sole task has been to bring him down as a minister. And she bailed and he's never seen her since and, and just brought, brought him and his whole ministry and world down. And so the reality is it's a brutal war out there. And so we've got to cover ourselves in prayer Make sure in those kind of situations that, that uh, we're responding to how God's leading us. And I would be asking questions. I'd be, rather than imposing our worldview, just ask questions to, of people. You know, um, you know what, what are you looking for? What, you know, where's, where's the emptiness in your life? Or, or whatever, you know, like depending on the nature of the relationship you have. But be, don't, let's not make suppositions and be moral police, but let's just engage by asking open questions and just a willingness to um, you know engage with people so I think though when you know that there's demonic involved be very very careful just cover yourself in prayer and, and you know that kind of thing so it's a reality of the battle out there any other questions anybody Christy um changing tack a little bit but we've had a couple of messages from pastor phil that we've shown in the church um over the last couple of months the first one was yep. about new wine and that's kind of been a, a theme yeah um i guess this year and the second one about prophecy um like prophetic activation in the church yeah and i just i guess wondered um what you and pastor deb felt kind of your response to that to those messages was kind of contextualizing it mm -hmm. here yep. and what you see um or what you're excited about in terms of our church's role mm. in Canberra and mm. and what um, yeah how we can impact here or what you'd love to see yeah yeah great well I I love I love the thought that we working out how to impact our city so prophecy is essentially edification exhortation and comfort. So if we're bringing those into the environments that we find ourselves, we're being a prophetic people. Pro prophecy isn't just uh, forth-telling or reading people's mail. It's actually way more grounded than that in that sense. And so we have this sense of optimism about us because 
we, we have a worldview that says, well, this isn't it. There is an eternity that, that we can enter into and take as many people that we can with. But we are able to be prophetic in our conversations by bringing words of edification, exhortation and comfort. And so we're talking to people that are, their marriages are falling apart. We know that there is something bigger than even this catastrophe they're walking through. So it allows us to have this sense of optimism and hope. And it's, it's, not, it's not hype. It's not upbeat. It's just the fact that we actually know God loves them even more than we do. And that he wants the best for them. So somehow or other, we can bring that conversation together uh, and, and, you know, get them in touch with their destiny. So I, and, so, and that's one of the things I love about uh, C3 is that, you know, we have this prophetic sort of uh, charge, if you like, to actually be a difference, make a difference where we are. And when people come into church, you know, God will speak to them. You know, there will be life change that happens in moments. But what God begins in power, he completes in process. And so, so there may be a moment of deliverance, but then there may be a, a, a lifetime of walking it out. You know, so all of these sorts of things. But I think being a prophetic people means that we're not, we're not kind of um, given in to the status quo. It's like, you know what? There are certain things that aren't right. We need to put our hand up and say, well, you know, there is right and wrong. There is truth and grace and, and apply those things and not be frightened to apply those things. So, did that answer the question? Maybe one more question. Anybody else? Brad. The gun tennis player. <laughs> Got a wicked slice serve. <laughs> um, so I guess personally I've found in my life that I can be like on fire for God, but it doesn't seem to last that long. And then I slip back into like continuing to follow him, but not feeling that same passion, fire, mm. like excited pursuit. Is there something that you've discovered in your life to help, I guess, keep that furnace going so that the fire continues? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's probably the same in marriage, that you have these seasons, I think, that, uh, that, you know, you're on fire and, you know, and, and you know, you just can't be quenched, but then there are, time, there are seasons when it's a bit different to that. And I think it's just recognising the season, but not compromising uh, when the season is, is shifting or changing. But I think that uh, the thing that's probably kept me walking with God all these years is just my personal prayer time and devotional time, which is sacrosanct for me in a sense. It's like I just can't function without that. So that becomes... Uh, and there are lots of times when it can feel a bit dry. You know, there are those in-betweens when you don't feel on fire. Um, but it actually doesn't take a lot to go, oh, that's right, God, that's right. That's why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing for you. That's why I walk with you, God, because you just connect again with God and you see him come through in situations or whatever. And so I think uh, your personal devotional life is important. I think the, the, the fellowship, for, you know, not forsaking the gathering together where in small group and in larger groups is is so important. Um, and then I also think that as you mature in God, your kind of relationship changes. It's like, 
when you first got saved, every prayer you prayed, God answered spectacularly. And it was incredible. And then you go through a season, it's like, God, where are you? None of my prayers are getting answered anymore. Like, how does that work? And so I think it's reading the season that you're in. And the season is, uh, doesn't mean that God has changed or left or anything, but he's doing something in us. And it's like, you know, are we only going to be, are we fair weather Christians where we just, you know, do what God wants when, when it's convenient to us. And as soon as it's not, well, oh, well, God, forget it. You know, it's like, or are we sold out, you know, to the end? And so I think... And I, I think being real with who, authentic to yourself is really important as well. Because, you know, sometimes I think we can try to be something we're not because we've got to put on a, on a face or, you know. But I think it's like, you know, what if you're feeling down or doubting, then talk to somebody about it and ask the question and get them to pray for you or, or wrestle it through. Um, so don't, don't den, uh, deny the struggle in yourself but don't let that define you either it's like i've got to find god somewhere in the midst of this where are you in this god you know it's like you know the job story which we're probably all pretty familiar with but at the end of the day you know everybody he had friends giving him advice left right and center and at the end of the day it was god sort of a god and him kind of thing but but um you know he he came back to this place of surrender and i i think Surrender is probably another key thought around in that, in that zone, but um, staying connected, being real. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, I can smell Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't know about you. <laughs> Why don't we stand this afternoon? Thanks for your questions. Hope it was helpful. Can we just uh, pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. For every single person here, Lord, as we present ourselves as uh, living sacrifices to be used by you in the building of your house, I thank you, God, for your voice to us in the confusing in-betweens. I thank you for the, your wisdom to us as we deal and navigate with a society that is increasingly secular in perspective. I thank you, God, that you would enable us to walk with a Christian worldview that honors you and your word in everything that we do. I pray, Lord, that we would not be judgmental, but we would be discerning, God, that we'd be full of grace and full of truth, Lord, and that, Lord, we would be your people, Lord, that you have appointed to change Canberra. Lord, in the water cooler conversations, in the classrooms, in the homes, in the cafes, wherever it is that, God, the conversations that we have draw people to you. Help us ask the right questions of people, God. Help us engage with them in such a way that they want to know more about you. Father, we just thank you for your grace towards us, God, today. And Lord, we just give you glory, praise and honour. As we go our way this week, may we, may we make a difference for you. And I just thank you for your grace upon every single person here as we go our way. Bless our going out and our coming in. Cause us to prosper in everything that we put our hand to. Help us see you in the midst of everything that we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.